Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Socks in the City podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Will. Uh, and we're happy to be having you guys uh, again for the first episode ever. I'm really excited to do this. Uh, the idea kind of came with, I was reading a thread on Red Sox Twitter about the podcast available. I just, the list was not very strong. There were two podcasts that I could stand yeah. <laughs> without having to turn off. But um, I just feel like it's definitely necessary to have a new podcast be introduced that's a little more positive and a little more informed than the majority of the ones out there. How do you feel, Will? Yeah, I feel really the exact same way. Like, in terms of Red Sox content, there's a lot of great content creators, but in terms of podcasting and, and sort of that niche of looking at the roster in a positive way or just the team in a positive way just isn't there. Uh, I'm, I really I love watching the Red Sox. I, I love watching them when they suck, and I want to bring that energy to podcasting. So just that love for the Red Sox, I guess. Yeah. I think that first, to start everything off, we need to give a little introduction about ourselves and then about how we feel about the team. So I was born and raised in Florida, full stop. I was not born in Boston. I don't really have that much connection to the city outside of the team. I did not grow up before the 04 team. Didn't really grow up with the 07 team either. Before my time, the team that I really associate my fandom starting with is the 2018 team. I'd always followed them before, but that really was when I got big time into baseball. That really does, I, it does impact the way that I view the team now and the way that I view certain transactions. Because how, how could it not? I mean, I could never comprehend how it felt to trade Nomar Garcia Parra, but I definitely know how it felt to trade Mookie Betts. So I, I feel like that, that that's important context to know just for conversations going forward. Yeah. How about you, Will? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm originally from Utah. I actually am back in Utah right now. But basically, I, I grew up with the Red Sox, so I'm, I'm grew up in Vermont, in, in that New England area. And my dad and, and I and my brother would always go to Red Sox games, so I, I really grew up with the team. I think that's one of my earliest memories is going to a Red Sox game. I was a bunch of my cousins, and then just growing up, I went, actually went to this in the 2013 playoffs and watched that team, watched Victor Martinez, Grand Slam. That was amazing. And then just continued. I went and saw David Ortiz's speech after the Boston bombing. So, like, the Red Sox have really been sort of my heroes for a while and sort of something I've grown up with and just, I've just absolutely loved them. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. And then to reiterate, I think that I'm a pretty positive person, especially considering how a lot of other Boston media and how a lot of people on Red Sox Twitter feel about this team and this front office and ownership right now. For the most part, I think this is probably going to be a more positive podcast than... Yeah. 90% of the ones out there. More specifically, I think that the front office and for the most part, the ownership are very good. Especially, did you see what Dick Montfort, the Rockies owner, said today? Well, that, that's rough. I would not be happy if I was a Rockies fan. Not that they've been oh happy. My God. Imagine if John Henry said, oh, I think we could play 500 ball. Yeah. Oh my God. They would have lost me to get him alive. I mean, considering how he acted at Winter Weekend, he might say that in real life. I would not be too surprised <laughs> if he said that. Yeah, but like, Heim Bloom, I, for all the warts that he's had, the Mookie Betts trade, 
not great. Jeffrey Springs trade, not great. Some of the some of the transactions he's done are not great, but I think that the larger picture as a whole has been very, very good for the Red Sox, especially trying to bounce back after having a depleted farm system. Yeah. And I'm more of a prospect person than most Red Sox fans are. I think that you are too, Will. Yep, I'd say so. So I, 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 I think that just, especially because of the prospect, like the, the perspective that he brings, I think that we get, we are very like-minded, and I think that that helps me uh, understand some of his transactions more. Yeah, I, I really think that Art Bloom is one of the better general managers in all of the MLB. He, he does get a lot of hate because he's not he's not a big spender, but I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing considering the free agent classes we've had and the players he's acquired. I I love that kind of money ball style of baseball, analytics heavy, and that and Heim's been really good on that. And I mean, I'm 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 basically a results person as well, and it's hard to argue with an ALCS appearance especially with that roster that they had, and I, I have a lot of faith in him going forward. He had a couple of bad years, COVID and last year with injuries, but I have a lot of faith in him going forward, and I think he's the, the man who should be leading this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then going back to John Henry, I know especially after Xander left in free agency, a lot of people wanted his head. I, I, I don't think that there's any chance he's selling anytime soon. But I, I think it would probably be a mistake to, if he sold. I mean, a lot of people don't really understand. Prior to John Henry, Red Sox ownership has been pretty terrible. Uh, yeah. I, it's really bad. Uh, he is by far the best owner that the team has ever had. I mean, for as much as that says, I guess. Uh, not everyone can be Steve Cohen. Not everyone can be... Um, <laughs> I can't think of any other celebrity owners. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's—it's really up to okay. He's just the—he's the businessman. He's making a lot of money. He doesn't want to part with his money, like a lot of super rich people like him are. And he, he might end up at Cooperstown someday because of the, the players he's brought in the champions. And I really don't think there's, like, of course I'm not going to praise him for spending money because that's what he should be doing if he owns a baseball team. But yeah, he's definitely not like a, the Pirates owner or the Marlins owner or whatever. So I'm really, I'm, I think we're actually in pretty good company in what we have in terms of ownership. Obviously, it could be better. If I personally was the owner, I would be spending a lot more money on players. But it's at the end of the day, it's up to him, and he hasn't done a terrible job. I, I, I think selling you're kind of going up in the air. I don't know if you want to sell the team. So I, I think I have faith in time to figure things out, and then. If it doesn't work out, Henry maybe consider selling the team. But as of right now, I think he's fine. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even if Heim doesn't work out in the long term, which I, I, I don't think that's probably going to happen. But even if he doesn't, there's there's no chance that John Henry is going to sell the team. I mean, even though it's not his dream, it's not his passion team. I, as clear as some interviews he's made that to be, I think that it's. I mean, I can't imagine the Boston Red Sox without John Henry as the owner. My yeah. entire life, he's been the owner. They're they're one and the same at this point. I just don't think he would ever sell. Yeah, I think looking at the way baseball sort of kind of bounced back recently in terms of popularity, I think he sees that and he's like, well, my Red Sox are going to be going up in value. So even if he sells, he's definitely not going to sell right now. Just in sort of the comeback of baseball, I'd say, is coming. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I did want for this to be a shorter episode because it is the first one, just to get a little bit of the introductions out of the way and to get some of the roster crunch out of the way. I think that right now probably is best if we move on to 
uh, subtractions and additions from the 22 into the 2023 roster. Yep, let's do it. Okay. First off, we have to talk Rafi. There's nothing else to talk but Rafi, first of all. 11 years, $331 million. What's your initial snap reaction to that? I, I love it. I mean, I love Rafi. Glad to have our future star locked down for a while. And then it's sort of like the, the Twitter notifications. You get the first notification, Rafi's been extended for 11 years. And you're like, let's celebrate. And then, okay, let's go see what the numbers look like. And then the numbers look really good, too. Like, this is honestly a lot cheaper than I would have expected out of Rafi. So it feels like a time's done it again. He's signed our guy for long term for cheap. And I think he's going to, over the term, over the entire value of the contract, I think he's going to be one of the better players in terms of value of their contracts in the MLB. Oh my God. Do you remember when Jeff Passan first dropped the one year arbitration deal? Yeah. I've, I've never <laughs> seen so many people mad at good news. It was, Cause like, it was like, Hey, this is, this is, this, everyone was freaking out about it. And they're like, I can't believe you do that. I'm like, this means they're in talks with them. This means a deal is probably on the way, but everyone ate Passan alive. But yeah, this was a lot better news. Yeah, but 11 years specifically I think is interesting because it takes him to his age 36 season. You're getting the majority of his prime, his his great years, and you're not going to have to go into his early or his late 30s, early 40s <laughs> like with Xander Bogarts. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good deal. I, I'm a little shocked that he took it. I know he's not a Boris client, but I still I think he left years and millions on the table. I mean, if you know Raphael Devers, you listen to the Sox Prospects podcast, he's a Red Sox fan, and he has been since he was a kid. It was good to get the deal done. You had to have him signed because fans would have rioted if they if they didn't sign him. But just knowing that he left money on left years on the table because he wants to be in Boston is even greater. I mean, I, I it's greater than just having a great player. He loves the city and loves the team. I'm really excited about the next 11 years to have Rafael Devers locked down. Yeah, exactly. He's he's kind of the perfect face of the franchise. Fans love him. He's a really likable guy, and he loves the team and, and wants to be here. Red Sox fans have been kind of hurt in the past with Mookie Betts was supposed to be that guy, and he was for a while. Then Mookie Betts got traded, and everyone was, I mean, understandably upset about that. And then maybe Xander was that guy. And then Xander leaves the free agency, but now we can we know we have Devers for the next eleven years, and he is that guy, and that's that's really just an amazing thing to have on any franchise. So I I'm really in love with the move, and I'm really glad we get to see Devers for eleven more years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to the free agents we've acquired. First off, and this is not in any timeline, not in any particular order. First is Adam Duvall on a one-year deal, no options. Duval is an interesting player. There was a piece in the Athletic about how he was not an outfielder until his like until his major league playing days, and now he's a glove first player, arguably. I mean, he he's a Gold Glove caliber outfielder with, I mean, thirty to forty home run pop. Very interesting player. I think that he's going to do very well in center field. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I think Duval is that. Uh, he's going to be a fan favorite just because thirty home runs. Everyone loves the home runs, and if he's going to hit a bunch of them, then I think it's going to be great. And then Glove first as well. I, I just think he's going to be a solid addition to the team. Adds a bit of power. He adds that kind of home run power, and then he's going to hopefully be that sort of gold glove caliber season in the outfield and just really a far cry from last season where we had, I mean, you just look at that one Duran play where the ball's over his head, 
I was actually at that game, the the Blue Jays game, where he had the, the ball sail over his head, and I thought I didn't think he was going to make it out of the stadium alive. So going from that to a gold, gold glove caliber center fielder, I think that's going to be really big for the Red Sox. And it's going to make, I think, even a bigger difference than, than we think. It's interesting that you said going back to last year, this is his defense is what the team needed because I was going to say the same thing about his bat. I mean, we really did not have a lot of home run pop. Uh, you can say a million reasons about why. I don't really care. Duvall perfectly fits this lineup with the home run pop. I, I really do love the addition of him, especially on a one-year deal. Would like to have an option just because, I mean, that's, you know, that's the way Heim works. <laughs> but it's, it's, I think it's a good deal. Yeah, I uh, think then Corey Kluber on a one-year deal with an option. Interesting move. Uh, I, I saw Kluber pitch in spring training last year in JetBlue, and it was, it was, it's an experience because he's not the power pitcher that he, right, he's not the pitcher that he used to be. He put up a solid fifth last year, not a great actual ERA, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels like another one of those time shot and dark things where let's go bring in this old veteran and see if we can make them have a great season. Like, Walker last year, obviously, is kind of a big example. So it, it feels like a move that he's trying to see if maybe he sells one more in him. If not, obviously, there's very low risk on this. So, I mean, move doesn't hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of this move. Yeah, at the very, like, at the worst, you can DFA him with pretty minimal um, loss. And he, his stat cast page, I have to give it to him, is a lot better than I would have expected for someone of his, his age. And I, here, it's a shot in the dark, like he said, and maybe it'll work out. Yeah. Uh, then, then Justin Turner, I think that's a, the sneaky, probably the best addition outside of well, outside of the person we're going to probably mention next. I really like Justin Turner. Another guy whose stat cast page is good, but is a little bit on the older side. But I, I, his second half last year was something to behold. I mean, good God. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think Turner is – I think he's great in a lot of ways for the team. He's been – always talked about this the locker room guy, and so that's an obvious plus. He's friends with TK. And also I think – an underrated side of this is that it's going to mean that Devers is going to have less wear and tear on his body. Devers was actually injured for a decent portion of last season that kind of contributed to that the team underperforming as a whole. And I think Turner is going to sort of relieve that pressure because now you have a guy who can play third base and you can have Devers DH, meaning Devers is not going to be on the out, like he's not going to be taking as much wear and tear just throughout the entire season. And hopefully that keeps him more healthy. And then as you were saying, Turner still has the ability to, to turn it on, and if he can perform like he was playing at the end of last season, he can put up some numbers. That could be a great addition at DH and a, a real upgrade over a kind of lackluster season from J.D. Martinez last year at DH. Oh, man, and Turner getting to use the Green Monster 81 games of the season is going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, the the crown jewel of this offseason, I really think, is Masataki Yoshida on a five-year, 90-some-odd-million-dollar deal. The posting fee and all that's a little confusing, in my opinion. But yeah. uh, how do you feel about Masataki Yoshida in this lineup? I honestly don't know that much about international free agents. So, like, he kinda, it, it kind of took me by surprise that he was giving a, a five-year deal to this guy. But then sort of the more and more you learn about him, it's like, wow, this is going to be a great fit for the Red Sox. That's a good bag. And and I think that he can really be that sort of if he can be sort of another I mean possible breakout, his 
His Fangraphs prediction looks pretty good, and I mean, I'm just kind of excited to see what he brings and if he makes a successful transition over to the MLB. But I, I really love this signing. Yeah, I, I really do love this signing as well. For here, if you're listening to this podcast, you almost certainly know who Masataki Yoshida is. But on the off chance that you don't, he slashed 300, 400, 500 for what the past five years in the Nippon League. He's a very excellent player. Not a great defender, not super fast, but the hit tool is is crazy. Yeah. Um, we don't know exactly how tr- how his power is going to translate over, but even if it doesn't translate to like 25, 30 home runs a year, we're talking about a guy who has an insane eye, an insane contact score, uh, contact skill. I really do like this signing. Five years, $90 million is a lot to give a guy who's never seen a pitch in Major League Baseball. Granted, he has seen some former Major Leaguers in, in overseas. This is by far the, the guy I'm most excited to see coming into 2023. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what his classification is. I've seen him put as a rookie, possible rookie of the year type guy. But I, I think that what's really interesting about him is sort of the yeah, – it's, it's really just that hit tool. It's kind of like he's – Sort of a really a really kind of a change in the Red Sox is they said last year they wanted to get more athletic. I think the way that sort of turned out is they're getting more like they're trying to get more of the the money ball type players where he's going to get on base, he's going to get contact, and, and this roster seems way more in sort of that direction of getting on base contact. Because like when you're bringing Yoshida, who's supposed to be this contact guy, this on base guy, you we've added more speedsters, we've added more contact guys. So I think we can see. A lot more guys on base this year, and I think Yoshida's kind of at the forefront of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, then moving on to the bullpen, we had Kenley Jansen on a two-year, thirty-four million dollar deal. How do you feel about Kenley Jansen? I I, I got to watch him pitch. I, I it's amazing. It was it was rough to watch in the one Braves game, well, the Braves Red Sox game I went to, and I was I, he kind of came out and I, I checked his Statcast page and I realized. Yeah, we're we're gonna be losing this game. He pitched the three outs, one, two, three inning, and and then shut him out. So I I really love the signing. I I think we needed this closer, and Jansen is that guy. The Statcast has looked phenomenal year after year after year. He's obviously a little old, but I still think he's gonna put up great numbers and really become our closer for this year and next year. Maybe even past that. But I absolutely love the signing. Yeah, when you're talking about a guy who could potentially be a Hall of Famer as a relief pitcher. There's very, very few who are able to say that. I, being able to acquire one, even in the later stages of his career, is very awesome, especially for a team that has lacked their closer for a long time. Jansen is a wild ride. That's what I, I like to say. He had a 40 saves last year, I think, but like a 3-4 ERA. It's an experiment, in my opinion. I, I, I think he can close. I think that he can be good, but I'm he's not gonna be <laughs> he's not gonna be Craig Kimball. He's not gonna be Koji. I'm excited for it, but I'm not I'm not fully on board like I think a lot of Red Sox fans are because they saw that he was a closer. It's it's a work in progress. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's it, it kind of all goes back to the what what were we looking at last year and that roster, and you didn't, you didn't have anyone like this. You don't even have anyone cl- that kind of close to this, and so I, th- I think it's really just kind of wor- worst case scenario. He's still going to be a better reliever than a lot of the guys we threw out there last year, 
And then best case scenario, he does have a really high upside. Hopefully he can reach it in his older years. I guess we'll find out, but I, I like it. All right, and then we had Chris Martin on a two-year deal. Chris Martin is a guy who was pitched for the Dodgers, kind of kind of had a weird career. Like if you look at it on baseball reference, it's not something that you would have expected for a guy to get uh, for, for a guy to get two years. I mean, but he walked. I mean, I think you could count on your hands how many people he walked last year. It was an absurdly low walk rate. What do you think of Chris Martin? Yeah, I think it all goes back to the walk rate, as you're mentioning. I think a lot of times you sort of kind of watch pitchers last year. They wouldn't be terrible, but they they like, they like put guys on base. And once you put guys on base, you're just going to run into a lot of problems just in terms of, I mean, obviously guys on base can score. And so I think time is looking at that stat where he's saying, I don't want a guy who's – I want a guy who could not put people on base and – Hopefully, Martin could be that guy, and I just, I, I mean, I don't really have a ton of expectations for him. Hopefully, he can sort of bring that upside and that really emphasize that part of his game. But I, I, it's kind of a mess sign to me. It doesn't really, I mean, it improves the bullpen, so I like it, but obviously, it's, it's nothing crazy. That's funny. I think we flip flop on Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin because I yeah. think I have higher expectations on a Martin. <laughs> I, I would have I, higher I, I expectations. Just... Yeah, like, I would have higher expectations. I'm just. I don't know. Nothing wows me about him. The past few years, the most frustrating thing is that we just walk everybody. I mean, especially with a few guys on the roster who really were walk-prone. Tarbinson Hernandez uh, is the yeah, most yeah. most notable culprit. I really like that he's not going to walk anybody, especially in a park where you can have a home run or a weak fly ball to, to left field. I think that he's going to really do well here. I, I really do like that signing. Yeah. We'll see. I guess with all bullpen guys, it's we'll see. Because, you know, I mean, no one knows. These guys can be elite one year and terrible the next. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I, I think I think Fenway just, with the improved roster, I think it's going to be, for really every single pitch on that roster, it's going to be a lot better defensively. Like, I mean, as a Bayo fan, just to bring up sort of his rookie season, there were so many times where you'd have bad, bad fielding would just kill his pitching and, and really hurt the team in general. And then you have those guys who hit, who are ground ball pitchers or Bible pitchers or whatever. Now you have Duvall in the center field, Gold Glover. you got a lot of Gold Glovers on the roster, hypothetically. And I really think that's going to do really well for a guy like Martin and just the entire roster as a whole is going to look a lot better. Yeah, no, I agree. And then back to the final free agent edition, Jolie Rodriguez on a one-year deal. Not much that I can say, but besides left-handed pitcher, we'll see if he gets thrown into uh, the Boston pitching lab and turns out better than his ERA was last year. I, I Sure, I, I don't know what to say about Jolie Rodriguez. How do you feel? Jolie Rodriguez, he's a, he's a guy that I don't know. I, I, I like him. Part of it is he has a cool name, in my opinion. But I, I think, yeah, actually, just let's see what the Boston pitching lab can do. I mean, he feels like one of those guys. He feels like, to me, the next Ryan Brazier. I don't think he's ever going to be the star, but I think he can oh. stick around a lot longer than, than we think. Maybe, maybe. I, I Here, to be, all, to be totally transparent, I like Jake Deepen, and I, I don't think that signing – I wouldn't say that that signing worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, scouting left-handed relief pitching may not be my strong suit. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It's up in the air, but I have a feeling he's going to stay for a long time. Yeah. 
then we had two trades. We had Wyatt Mills for Jacob Wallace. Sure. I mean, yeah. Wyatt one of those guys who, who looks like he has a lot of potential, has a very similar delivery to John, or delivery to John Schreiber. The, the stuff is there, and it's clearly there. We've seen them work with guys like John Schreiber to make that type of player into something the next level. Will they be able to do it with Wyatt Mills is yet to be seen. There's obviously potential there, though. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it is. It's just like, there's potential there. Let's see if we can figure something out. But otherwise, yeah, it's pretty much a wash. Not much to say about this one. Yeah. I, Jacob Wallace is one of those prospects that I thought, I personally, I like probably more than most, but totally fine to give up in a deal for this. Yeah. Solid chance he never makes the big leagues. Even if he does, it's most likely as a middle reliever. Here, even if Wyatt Mills doesn't work out to be like a John Schreiber, even a middle reliever, and we have to DFA him, it's it's whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like worst case scenario, you're giving up a relief pitcher, so I'm, I'm not worried about it. And then the more interesting trade, in my opinion, is Alberto Mondesi and a player to be named later for Josh Taylor. I I don't really understand this trade for the Royals because they just signed a Rolls Chapman. I, I do not get I, I would personally never trade Mondesi. Like, for that for that cheap, I, I don't understand what the point of having another relief pitcher is. Just here, isn't that great a relief pitcher? And Mondesi seems like a guy who's, yeah, he's injury prone, but when he, when he figures it out, if he figures it out, and is able to put up a full healthy season, he can, he can do some serious damage. Like, he's such a, like, I'm in love with speed guys, and Mondesi is a speed guy. And so, it's just that kind of like the potential you have with him, and he's already at a major league roster, and you have the potential with him. Just I, I would not trade that for a relief pitcher, but I guess the Royals, I think they're saying, well, he'll never be healthy, and we want to get at least something out of him before this guy's out of the league with Andrew. But yeah, like you're saying, I don't understand this deal for the Royals. I love it for the Red Sox, though. And, and to get to your point, Josh Taylor was also hurt. I I I just. Uh, he went. He was hurt all last year. Didn't pitch in the big leagues at all. He went to Worcester, pitched for a little bit there before getting shut down. And even when he was pitching in Worcester, his his stuff was down. I I, I hear. I thought that there was a non-zero chance he was that he was non-tendered or DFA'd by now. And we traded him for Alberto Mondesi and a player to be named later. Uh, th- this was one of those ones where I don't. I don't understand what the Royals are doing, but it seems like it's a total finesse by Heim. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what I'm saying. Is like Heim somehow convinced the Royals that Mondesi not only was the same value as Josh Taylor, but also that to get Josh Taylor, they need to throw in a player to be named later. And like, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems kind of ridiculous for the Royals. It's just such a, I don't know. It's kind of a from Heim's perspective, it's a beautiful win-win trade for us. Like. Worst case scenario, the Mendeza thing doesn't work out. We get a player to be named later. later. That's probably worth more than a Josh Taylor who's going to get DFA'd anyways at some point in the season with our signings. I don't see a spot for Josh Taylor on our roster. And now we have Mendeza who hypothetically could be our, like, could be a shortstop for a while. He, what, I th- what I think I like about Mendeza the most is sort of that we, we've kind of acquired the pieces that is kind of the same with Devers. We don't need Mondesi to play like shortstop or second base or whatever. He doesn't have to play that the entire season. I think we're going to see Mondesi in a more of a platoon type thing just because of the injury risk. I think we're going to see 
PK play a lot more infield with Arroyo, and I think Mendes is going to. They're going to be kind of wary about using him because of that injury list. But I think when he's out there, he's the potential to be kind of electric. Like just his his stats are like kind of funny because it's like, oh, how does he have this much this much WAR despite not being that great of a hitter? It's because he has the speed. It's because he has the glove, and I think that's really going to show out at Fenway as well. Because like you said. A nice fly ball left field that could turn into a lot more. Modesti's like the exact type of player who can take advantage of that. And I think hypothetically he could have a really big season here. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't remember who reported it. I don't think it was Catillo. But uh, Modesty is primarily going to play second base probably because of the injury risk. Yeah. And Kike's going to probably primarily play shortstop. Which, I, I just to get here... The one thing that Bloom has consistently said is that they're trying to make this roster more athletic. And you cannot argue that Mondesi does not make this roster more athletic. He provides a level of defense that this team does need. I mean, like you mentioned with Brian Bayo, he, he had a sub-35 and a uh, over-4 ERA. The defense needed to improve, and Mondesi does do that on top of being a very fast player. I really do like this addition, especially for essentially just paying Josh Taylor, which is not not that much. Torn ACL now, it, it used to kind of be, oh, this is going to kill somebody for a while. But now in terms of the process that they've gone through medically, like you can come back stronger from a torn ACL than it was in the first place. So I'm not too worried about his last injury. And I honestly think, especially in the major leagues, I think injury prone is kind of more of a, like, it's more of a luck thing, in my opinion, than it is. A, obviously, there are some players who are more prone to get injured, and I think for pitchers it is more of like obviously some people have weaker arms and pitching. But when it comes to the kind of injuries that Mendes had, I think it, a lot of it kind of comes down to bad luck, and I, I think I think it's going to sort of turn around for him. And like he's sort of just he's he's the type of player that kind of is super athletic. If he kind of puts together a good season, you could see a lot of him like. I think the, the best season of his career, looking at his uh, Fangraphs page, is 2018, where he had, like, it's kind of funny. He only had 290 plate appearances, but he put up 14 home runs. And then 2.5 war next year, he played, like, didn't play as well. But I think if you can have that kind of production out of him, where you can get that, he has some home run pop and, get him healthy for a full season, like, he could be a really big piece of this roster as well. Okay. I did forget. My, my fault, everyone. We did add three players, uh, three notable players to minor league deals. Jorge Alfaro, Ryan Sheriff, and Rymel Tapia. I, I, if, I don't know if you want to say anything on that. Rymel Tapia, obviously the player who hit the inside the park grand slam against Jaron Duran. But I, I really like, I really like all three signings, especially Alfaro. I, I what, do you have any opinion on those three? Yeah, I think it's just they're, they're good depth guys. I think Alfaro's probably going to be on the roster at some point. I don't know. I, I think we might see McGuire or Wong kind of shipped out or something. Or because those are they're kind of like the the young guys don't really, haven't really seen much from McGuire or Wong. So he's insurance against that as well. So I like I like the signings. Alfaro, I don't I don't know why he accepted a minor league deal, but I'm very glad he did. Yeah, I think that he accepted it knowing that he's probably going to make the major league roster. Yeah, I, I assume the no- negotiations were, yeah, we're going to send you a minor league deal, but yeah, it's, it's really going to be a major league one. 
but just because of the DFA rules and 40 man, all that stuff. That's kind of why. All right, and then we are going to move on to the players that the Red Sox lost in free agency or to designations for assignments. Can't make, can't add everyone without breaking a few eggs. First on the list is Eric Hosmer. I have a lot of opinions on Eric Hosmer. Did you want to get anything out of the way first? Yeah, Eric Hosmer. I mean, it's just league average, league average first baseman with Casas. We don't need you. That's that's all I have to say. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that Eric Hosmer blocked me on Twitter for saying that Josh Bell was better than him. I did not mention him. I did not do anything rude to him. He is the softest player in possibly all of Major League Baseball. I, I, he was never going to work out in Boston if he's going to do that shit. I mean, uh, okay. That I'm not going to rant. He's, he's a league average bat at first base only. That, that's Go have fun in Chicago. He, he's such like a... It's really rough when the best part of your Red Sox tenure is, or not the best part, but the most notable part of being a Red Sox is when you block a bunch of people on Twitter. So that kind of, yeah, he was, we got him for free, and he's going to be leaving for free. So that's pretty much how it goes with him. And then Franchi Cordero. Yeah. I, I liked Franchi. I know a lot of Boston fans didn't like Franchi because, you know, he, he didn't hit that much. But he has some absolutely fantastic highlights with the Red Sox. I mean, I remember he crushed one, I think it was against the Phillies, like 480 feet to dead center. He had the walk-off grand slam. Man, I, I, he's, he's a great player from every report that I've ever heard. He's a, or I'm sorry, he's a great person from every report that I've heard. <laughs> not, not the greatest player. <laughs> but I, I, I think that he will be missed in the clubhouse. Yeah, Franchi was one of those guys that, like, I was personally always a big Franchi fan. I believed in him. I think he needed a new change of scenery because we were, he, he just wasn't going to get consistent playing time as a member of the Red Sox. And you could kind of tell, like, when they, they kind of brought him back up and down, so he wasn't really consistently seeing the, the pitching from the majors. I think he really needs to be consistently in a position where he doesn't have to be worrying about a new position. Like, when they moved into first base, that was a mistake, I think. With Baltimore, I'm hoping that they, they put him in the outfield and leave him there so he can focus on batting and adjusting to the major league level. I think he can be a real like a really good player if all that sort of comes together. But yeah, he just wasn't going to come back to the Red Sox after sort of the way they, they handled him. But obviously a great clubhouse guy. I think a lot of people are going to decide to see him go, but it just didn't make sense for him here in Boston. So wishing him the best, but yeah, hopefully he does better in Baltimore. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, moving on to Rich Hill, the 500-year-old starting pitcher. <laughs> I like Rich Hill. I'm not. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I didn't want him back here. Yeah, he's he was a four or five guy when he was here last year. Even in a bad, like a bad roster, he was maybe going to be a relief guy. Yeah, he just we added better players. Sorry, he's probably going to retire soon. But Pittsburgh wants him, I guess. He, he didn't make any sense on the roster once James Paxton came back. I mean, oh, well. Uh, J.D. Martinez left and signed with the Dodgers. Yeah, I think J.D., obviously that's one of the best free agent signings in Red Sox history. He's put up a lot of great years. But then there, there was the problem last year. 
He made the all-star team with the first half of the season, but it was really just a complete decline. I don't know if that will continue, but it didn't make sense for the Red Sox to bring him back, considering how young the Red Sox roster is. I think it's a, I think it's a solid fit for the Dodgers. I mean, it's really kind of a Trey Turner, J.D. Martinez swap between the two teams. And the problem is he's old. He just wasn't hitting the way he was hitting uh, earlier in his career, and so Red Sox had to move on. I don't, I don't. I think. I think his career is pretty much over at this point, but he might be able to put a, revive it a little bit in LA. But yeah, it's kind of kind of it with him. I think. Hopefully, he can have the same sort of rejuvenation that Pujols did when he went to LA. I'm not sure. I, I didn't really want Martinez back because of the second half of 2022. I, I was worried that his career. I want the way to J.D. Martinez is remembered in Boston to always be a positive, and I think that any extension may have harmed his legacy. I think that it was a good idea for him to go, move on after this year. Yeah, and I, I think J.D. Martinez really worried me about his sort of massive slump is just because he is such a methodical, like, hard worker. Like, everything you hear about him is... I just remember one report where they are talking about how J.D. Martinez has this, like, little bag of toys, and they're all this... Things to help his swing, and people would laugh at him until they kind of realize this kid's hitting really well. And ask him, "Hey, can you help me with this?" So he's he's had one that he's. If I had to choose one of the best swings I've ever seen, I'd have to go with J.D. Martinez. It just looks so beautiful, even when he's like striking out. And so when he has this sort of extended period of time where he's not hitting well, I, based on the player he is, based on the person he is, I just don't really know if there's much left in the tank there. So obviously. I love Jay Martinez in Boston. I think everyone did. And I'm glad. I'm so kind of glad he got that all star in his last season here. And then I don't know if he wants to ride out until the MLB finally kicks him out or he can retire on his own terms. But I think he's, yeah, it didn't make sense in Boston. And hopefully he's a good end of career. And I don't know, I guess in LA or wherever he wants to go. In a similar vein, Nathan Evaldi left, uh, signed with the Texas Rangers, I believe, on a two year deal. I, yeah. I I think that just about everything that we said about not having too much left in the tank, uh, not wanting to damage his legacy in Boston, I think would apply to Nathan Eovaldi. I'm I'm just the contract that he signed under Dabrowski looked like an albatross when it was signed, but turned out to be very solid. I his velo scares me, man. I mean, I just don't know. I I wouldn't want him on a long deal. Yeah. I think yeah, Evaldi, he he was definitely one of those guys. Yeah, when he, when he first came here, I was I was nervous about him. He, I think he was coming off of a Tommy John surgery, and it, and it was kind of a wondering, could, like, can he get back to where he was? And I think he did. He had some really great seasons here with the Red Sox, and obviously he's a part of Red Sox history with his World Series rings. And then, yeah, it's kind of like this year, it it did not look good at that kind of just only point of season. And then the, I guess Texans signed him for two years, thirty-four million. That's that's just too much for this team. Like maybe if we were strong contenders and he was going to be the fourth or fifth guy, maybe you sign him for that deal. I think Texas is signing him because Texas is putting together a pretty good pitching pretty pitching rotation. So I I think yeah, and one of those guys just didn't make sense for the Red Sox, and you're kind of worrying about that end of career tail off and he's kind of started to show it this year yeah no i agree uh then moving on 
not necessarily the same. We didn't lose him in free agency, but Jeter Downs was DFA'd and then claimed by the Nationals. I don't have too many thoughts on Jeter Downs. Obviously, part of the Mookie Betts trade didn't pan out. Lost a lot of his ability to hit during COVID. Um, the whole thing is a little bit of a confusing mess. A lot of things that could be could be said about Jeter Downs are not necessarily true. I don't. I don't think that moving him up to AAA before he saw too much in AA, I don't think that matters all that much. It's it's He didn't pan out. I wish him all the best in Washington, but I, I it was time to move on. Yeah, Jeter Downs is one of those players. I was hoping we would have kept him. I think there's other people we should have DFA'd before Downs. But, yeah, it's just COVID really – I don't know what COVID did to him, but, yeah, it kind of knocked him off course. And he sort of never got back to it. There was a part last – of last season where he was hitting really well, but in AAA, I mean, he just didn't seem like a major league type guy. And it, it kind of, yeah, I guess DFA, hopefully a change of scenery is good for him. But yeah, it didn't really make much sense on, on our roster. Like, I don't know. I, th- I think he probably would have bounced back to some degree here, but I just never, like he never was going to be anything better than maybe a backup Captain AAA here, so I guess it makes sense to give him the DFA and give him a new opportunity. I think that's doing right by him as a player, honestly. We will always have two incredible Jeter Downs moments. One, scoring the walk-off run in, what was that, like July of this year? Yeah. And then two, homering off of Garrett Cole in Yankee Stadium. That's true. If anyone had, like, he was up there with Franchi with being like, didn't play that great when it's in the majors. However, those moments, you can't forget those moments. So, yeah, that, that Downs home run in, uh, the kind of big hit to help steal the win. So, hopefully you can do more of that in Chicago. Or Chicago? He, he's, no, he went to the Nationals. Nationals, that's what I'm thinking. Same color scheme. Yeah, hopefully you can do that <laughs> as a National. Yeah. Uh, then two more players. We have Tommy Pham, who I sure – he was a mutual option that was declined by the team because it was $12 million. And he signed the Mets for $6 million. Uh, good yeah. decision not to keep him, especially for that price. I don't really have that many thoughts on Tommy Pham. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy Pham was a he – was a, he was a, honestly, I think he was good for us. Kind of had a little bit of spark after the deadline, but obviously wasn't great. He wasn't a great bat, wasn't a great fielder. And adding Yoshida, adding Duvall – yeah, there's there's absolutely zero place for him on the roster. So, goes to join the Mets, and maybe we'll get a World Series ring out of that. But we'll see. All right, and then of course, finally, is Xander Bogarts, who opted out of his contract and then signed an absurd deal. I mean, just an eleven-year, two hundred eighty million dollars from the Padres. The Red Sox should never have offered anything close. It, it's it's it may be one of the weirdest contracts that I've ever seen in terms of years and money, but it's Xander Bogarts. Yeah. He was he came up in the system. He was signed out of his hometown in Aruba. It's 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 never going to not hurt that we lost Xander Bogarts in free agency. Yeah. It's never I'm never going to look back and, and be like, oh that's just okay. Even if he doesn't paint out with the Padres. But the, my first memory is, is Xander Bogarts at a spring training game. Uh, I, I was on the, the, gosh, I must have been like 10, 10, 12 years old. 
and I remember distinctly he would go to the fans, sign a bunch of baseballs, and throw them to the kids in the crowd. He's just always been a, a fantastic human being. I mean, truly the epitome of class. He's a very humble guy from what I've heard. He's, he's the type of person that you want in your organization and the type of player that you want in your lineup. He's the full package. I, 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 I could talk nice about Xander Bogarts for hours on end. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel the same. I mean, a lot of love for Xander in Boston. He's he was honestly one of my favorite players growing up. Just seeing him come up and then I got his rings here. Uh, if, if if you told me like after the 2013 season, you told me that Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts would be rivals in LA and San Diego, I would have I would have punched you in the face probably. But yeah, that's that's where we are right now. That that deal is absurd. I just. I don't understand what the Padres are doing with that, considering they ha- have Fernando Tatis. I guess they could be moving him into the outfield or something. And then they have Hase on Kim, and then obviously, I forget who the other guy is. Cronenworth? Like, yeah. No, I think, but, but let's see. Well, they ha- oh, it's, I'm just thinking of Tatis. I guess I guess that means Tatis will be moving to the outfield, or maybe they move on from Tatis, as people have kind of speculated. But... That's just a super long deal for an older player. I wish he, I wish he signed with the Red Sox. They're supposed to have offered him a shorter deal with a little bit more money. I understand him making more guaranteed money over a longer period of time. But yeah, like like you're saying, just a great player in Boston. I think he's gonna be a legend. I, I he's, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's gonna be in that Dustin Pedroia Hall of Very Good status. And I'm, I'm glad I got to watch him. I think that he could be a Hall of Famer. It depends how his Padres term goes. The decline scares me. His 2022 season was just so bizarre with the ground ball luck, but very low power numbers for him here. If he can put up five war for the next few years, I think he can make it into the Hall, but I'm not 100% sure that he could do that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. is Right now, he just doesn't have... like He doesn't have the individual accolades to get in the Hall of Fame. And so this kind of next contract, if he if he keep it up, and maybe has a sort of longer longer term career, maybe he ends up turning it around and not turning it around, but maybe he suddenly breaks out again in San Diego and puts up a six, seven, eight years, a really good play. Then he'll probably make it on the longevity thing. But I think he's I think he's good. But obviously the Red Sox, especially with Meyer coming up, is the reason they didn't want to offer him that long term money. And now we have options. So. Yeah, I think it was. I understand it with the Red Sox. I would probably make the same deal if I was Khan. I still don't enjoy it. it. Does not make me feel good as a fan. But you gotta part with players. That's just how this sport works. So yeah, there's not much you can say other than we wish him the best. To wrap it all up, do you have a projection for the win total for the 2023 Red Sox? Yeah, I think this team is gonna. I don't. In terms of pure win total, I think this team can get. I, th- I think it's going to be around 80. I, I Honestly, this team, this team, it's kind of, for me, hard to predict just because there's so many just high potential guys on the roster. Plus, your prospects coming up. We're, we're going to see a rookie season from a lot of guys. Uh, we could hypothetically even be seeing, like, Rafaela coming up. We're going to have Casas rookie season here. Bayo, I know he's not technically a rookie, but he's a young pitcher. And then, hopefully, if Sale can stay healthy, if Mondes can stay healthy, if Paxton can stay healthy, they have some serious talent, and I think the talent could project them. They could be. I, I don't. I don't think it's out of the question that this team could win the AL East. 
obviously requires some really good seasons from players, but they I think they have the potential to do that. But I think around 80 wins is probably where I'd stay to be safe. And then, yeah, I think kind of the low low floor, high ceiling type theme. I, so I, I like it a lot. But, yeah, it's kind of a wait-and-see type deal. I kind of disagree. I, here, the 2022 Red Sox were 78-84. and 84. I think this team added, even with losing Xander Bogarts and losing Nathan Uvalde and guys like that, I think that this team added at least 10 wins on top of being able to say that the, the schedule changes or the schedule has changed yeah, significantly. So I, I I think that it is possible that this is a second, third place team. I don't think there's any chance that they're going to win the division. I mean, it, it, it's possible. Anything's possible. But uh, especially considering what you were saying about the injuries, I don't think that everyone's going to stay healthy. I think that there is good depth, especially there's significant better starting starting pitching depth than there was last year. You're not going to be having to give Connor Siebold and Josh Rakowski and a few of those other guys 70 starts. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Walter, Brian Mata, Brian Mata and Chris Murphy are going to get a lot of those starts, and they are capital G guys. They are prospects. They can be good pitchers. I think that the starting pitching depth has improved significantly from last year, which did harm this team a lot last year. I I think that 86 to 88 wins is my likely range, with the possibility of higher or less, obviously according to injury. Yeah, I, I do. Th- I do think it's definitely. I think they could get that fairly easily. I I I, I do think the advantage this team has over last season really is that because last last season we like, oh man, the depth is so bad. Like you had Plawecki. Apparently, Plawecki, great locker room guy. He was not good on the field at, at all when last year, and you're going from that like you're going from that to Alfaro like that's beautiful. Instead of the starting pitcher being Winkowski, yeah, you could be like Mata, those type of guys, actual prospect. And like I think Cutter Crawford as well, honestly, kind of underrated among Red Sox fans in general. He had a kind of good stat cast, not good stat cast, but he's one of the better stat cast pages on the Red Sox pitching staff last season. I think we could maybe see something good out of him this season as well. And then I think just, yeah, we have a lot of depth at pretty much every position except for maybe middle infield. But even there, we got a lot of guys who can play it. So I, I do think this team can surprise a lot of people. I think a lot of people are are way too low on this team, to be honest. Like, anyone who's saying this team is going to finish last in the, in the division, I just don't believe that. I think this team is going to be contending for the first place in the division for most of the year, to be honest. I hope so. I, I, I hear a lot of Heims, a lot of fans already want Heim's head. I, I think that that's absurd, but you know, it's it's Boston. Yeah. The, the imperative is to win and win constantly. In the past three years, we haven't been doing that. So I, I understand, I understand the upset feelings, but I think that, that would be stupid. I really hope that we can prove the, prove the haters wrong, especially the haters, you know, in the house with Pete Abraham and some of those guys. Yeah. I really do hope that this team can. Can break for break forth from the 2022 team. Uh, oh man, I really do like this team. I like the personalities we've added. I like the direction of this roster. I think that I really do like like our chances for this year. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is an incredibly fun roster. You have like, if we just go to the position catcher, three guys. Alfaro's a super fun player to watch. He he led. I think he led the league in in like walk off home runs or something. Walk off whatever. Walk off hits maybe. 
So we got Alfaro, Maguire's young, Wong just coming up. Looks like he could be a breakout candidate. First base, Casas, our best prospect, apart from maybe Meyer, is now going to be working to see his rookie season. Up the middle, you can see Arroyo, maybe an Arroyo breakout. Montes is a really exciting player, really fun player. Then Devers, obviously, Turner, obviously. And in the outfield, Yoshida, you can keep, like, I mean, a possible rookie of the year as well. You got Verdugo, who suffered a lot of bad luck last year, looks to turn around, and I guess the new rules should favor him a little bit. And then just kind of our pitching staff, Bale, Sale, hopefully will be healthy. It's just, it's a pretty exciting roster. Well, I have to call you out on this. What? You forgot the commander-in-chief, the face of the franchise, our number one recruiter in free agency. How did you forget our shortstop, Kike? Kike, as much as I, I don't know why I'm a Red Sox fan, <laughs> I just, Kike, I, I like Kike. I, I, I kind of forget him a lot, and honestly... I think I don't know. I'm kind of excited, honestly, to see him play shortstop. I didn't really realize he could play shortstop. Well, I mean, I kind of knew, but I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see out of Kike. Hopefully, that would be exciting. I don't, maybe we'll see more as him as sort of a hype up guy. We need someone to replace Franchi. Franchi doing the breaking the bat thing. Maybe Kike is an underrated storyline to be the next do the next thing. Like that's honestly, I think that's an underrated storyline that we need to discuss. Is what what do you think is going to be the Red Sox's when they get to second base? What are they going to do? Last year was the break the bat thing. It's been the shimmy in the past. We had the not necessarily second base thing, but we had the the dancing outfield back in the day. What is your prediction for the what is the thing the Red Sox are going to be doing this year that we're all kind of kind of know and love? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I'm not sure. I definitely think Kike is going to start it though. I def I definitely. Agree. That's that's gonna be the guy who starts it. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have a great idea either. I I have a feeling we might be seeing a greedy from some of one of our players. I think, I think honestly, I think we could see a greedy from one of our players, which would be a baseball first, <laughs> if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I think I think you know what it might be. They what? might do with like the. Uh, pump it up for the dumbbells for Yoshida, the Macho Man. Ooh, that would be a good one. I would, I would like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm that's, so excited for this year. That's the thing is, I can't wait for baseball to be back. You hear the rumors of Jazz Hizzle to the Red Sox. I'm making maybe, maybe, maybe making them up more than they are. Maybe we get the the what is it? Euro step. Maybe we get the Euro step in Boston. I hope so. But yeah. It's just such an exciting team. They're more exciting than last year. It's not instead of being this. Oh man, we really gotta watch these these guys for a full nine innings. Like we saw some of the rosters we put out lineups last year, and you're just like, I don't really want to watch the game. We're gonna get blown out. But this year, I think every game is gonna be a game we're gonna be excited for. And that's that's honestly that's the best thing I can hope for as a Red Sox fan. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that that's it for our first episode. Yeah, I think it went well. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I'm really excited. I, I do want this to be the positive podcast, the well-informed podcast. Man, I'm really excited. Pod, really excited for this year of Red Sox baseball. Yeah, same. That's basically like trying to be more positive, trying to feel good about this Red Sox season, trying to make all your listeners feel good about the Red Sox season as well. So 
I will catch you next time. Anything nice to say, Sam, to, to close us off? I just to know our next pod is definitely going to be a prospect rundown. We're both pretty into prospects, yeah. especially with the with the way that this team is now run with Heim Bloom. I, I'm oh man, we're going to be each presenting five players that we want to talk about. Not necessarily top ten, but five guys that we want to talk about and. I'm really excited for that pod as well. Yeah, I'm super excited. So, yeah, I guess that makes it our first official Socks in the City Red Sox podcast. All your listeners, have a great day. Have a great week and enjoy the season. Adios.